Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. For the last three years, electrons have been toying with physicists. The game started in 2018, when the lab of Pablo Jario Herrero announced the find of the decade. Researchers stacked one flat sheet of carbon atoms on top of another, applied a magic 1.1 degree twist between them, then cooled the atomic wafers to nearly absolute zero. The sample then became a perfect conduit of electrons. But was this a fluke? That's next. Explore math mysteries in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quanta Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast. When researchers did their magical stacking, how were the particles conspiring to slip flawlessly through the graphene sheets? The kaleidoscope moray pattern created by the skew angles seemed significant, but no one knew for sure. To find out, researchers started twisting and stacking every material they could get their hands on. At first, the electrons played along. Experiment after experiment found that in an array of flat materials, frigid temperatures brought plummeting electric resistance. A more profound understanding of the conditions necessary for ideal conduction felt close, and with it a tantalizing step toward an electronics revolution. Here's Matthew Yankowitz, a condensed matter physicist at the University of Washington. What first emerged is it seemed like superconductivity was everywhere. You know, no matter what system you looked at, it seemed like you found superconductivity. Then we started to learn that actually, even knowing what a superconductor is in a two-dimensional material is not so straightforward. As researchers inspected their samples more carefully, the instances of superconductivity vanished. In some materials, resistance wasn't actually getting down to zero. In others, different tests ended up with conflicting results. Only in the original double-layered graphene did electrons regularly achieve a frictionless flow. Here's Yankowitz again. So after a while, we had this kind of zoo of different twisted materials. And among them, twisted bilayer graphene seemed to be the only one that was clearly a superconductor. You know, the other ones maybe, but probably not. And I think people started to think seriously about what is different, you know, what is unique about twisted bilayer graphene. Then, this year, two papers published in the journals Nature and Science described a second related superconductor. It's a three-layer graphene sandwich with the bread sheets aligned and the filling sheet skewed by 1.56 degrees. The unmistakable electron-carrying prowess of twisted trilayer graphene confirms that the two-wafer system was not a fluke. MIT's Pablo Jario Herrero led one of the new experiments. Every characteristic, every checkbox of superconductivity you would want to check mm -hmm. all click in the system. So it is a second robust more superconductor. Magic angle twisted by layer graphene is not unique. It was the first of a family members of more superconductors. And Herrio Herrero says this is the second in that family. 
This second sibling has helped to illuminate an underlying mechanism that could be what powers the superconductivity of these materials. In the months after the 2018 discovery, one group of theorists began to puzzle over the mechanism that made bilayer graphene superconduct. They suspected that one particular geometric trait might allow electrons to swirl into jumbles that behave in a novel way. This mechanism is unlike any of the few known schemes responsible for superconductivity. It would explain the superconductive success of bilayer graphene, as well as the failure of other materials. It also predicted that graphene's trilayer sibling would superconduct as well. But it remained just a theory, at least until labs had a chance to test it. Eslam Khalaf, a researcher at Harvard, helped develop the model. Whether we find the system where everything clicks together, it's not guaranteed. Maybe there's some unforeseen obstacles. At least kind of from what we know now, it seems like an exciting direction. It's not every day that we kind of have a new way to get superconductivity, like a new theoretical way to get superconductivity. In a messy world where friction abounds and particles never really sit still, a phenomenon as perfect as superconductivity has no right to exist. Yet everyday metals like mercury regularly pull it off at low temperatures. Heike Kammerling Ones discovered that by accident in the early 20th century. The secret was that near absolute zero, vibrations in a metal's atomic lattice steer free electrons into pairs. These couples cooperate in ways individual electrons can't. The couples form a unified quantum mechanical superfluid that flows through a material without a single electron-atom collision, which would generate heat and resistance. The original theory of superconductivity was developed back in 1957. That theory described it as a delicate electronic dance that all but the most ideal environments would disrupt. Harvard theoretical physicist Ashvin Vishwanath says it's kind of a miracle that they pair at all because electrons repel each other. Researchers caught electrons performing a second miracle in 1986, this time in a family of copper compounds known as cuprates. The materials were somehow able to keep superconducting at dozens of degrees above the temperature that would normally split conventional electron pairs. A new mechanism seemed to be in play, one likely involving mainly electrons themselves rather than their atomic frame. But after decades of intense study, researchers still aren't sure exactly how electrons in cuprates orchestrate their superconducting ventures. Predicting the behavior of electron collectives involves a brute force calculation of each particle's effect on every other particle. It's a calculation whose complexity increases exponentially with the number of electrons. In order to understand even a tiny fleck of a superconductor, theorists would need to grasp the behavior of electron swarms numbering in the trillions. Current simulations can handle about a dozen. Experimentalists aren't in a much better position. They can grow new crystals, swapping this atom for that, and test their properties, but the materials don't reveal what the electrons are doing inside. Here's Yankowitz. There's no direct measurement of what the pairing mechanism is. Actually, they're very, very difficult measurements to do. I, 
that's why it's been so challenging to even say in the group race. The community can't even agree for sure that it is all electronic mediated. That's the prevailing wisdom, but no one knows for sure because it's it's just hard to interrogate that directly. Researchers don't know how a material will behave until they actually create it. And then there's the issue of high-temperature superconducting, or high-TC, says Yankowitz. No one has a good theory. Like, no one could say, I'm going to make this new material and plug that lattice into your theory of high-TC and predict what the critical temperature will be. That's just a laughably difficult task right now. The unique features of twisted bilayer graphene made it more transparent than the cuprates. Rather than forging a whole new substance, experimentalists could tweak graphene's properties with nothing more than an electric field. That made it for many researchers a playground for superconductivity. Subir Sachdev is a condensed matter physicist at Harvard. So that's the exciting problem and the wonderful thing about bilayer and trilayer graphene is that it gives a whole new set of tools to investigate how the electrons are moving around. It's quite complementary to the tools that we have available for the cuprates. It also offered theoretical guidance. At the magic angle of precisely 1.1 degrees, the honeycomb lattices of graphene fuse in such a way that normally zippy electrons slow to a crawl. Physicists describe the material as having flat bands, Here's Yankowitz. You, know, you have these carbon atoms in a honeycomb structure in both layers, and just the way they're sitting on top of each other at that precise twist angle, it has this really unique condition that creates a very flat band and basically freezes out the kinetic energy. That makes the electron sluggish, and sluggish electrons spend more time together, giving them a chance to organize. But the theoretical guidance was vague. Electrons in materials with flat bands can socialize in many ways. Forming superconductive pairings is just one way. Researchers stacked many atomic wafers at band-flattening magic angles, but the superconductive lightning refused to be bottled. They seemed to be missing something crucial. Soon after the March 2018 discovery of superconductivity in twisted graphene, Vishwanath and his colleagues set about trying to demystify the magic angle and understand what might be holding electrons together. Writing down a theory that fully captured the movement of unruly electrons in bilayer graphene was impossible. So the theorists started by imagining particles that were a bit better behaved. They treated graphene's hexagonal lattice as two sublattices of triangles. As the electrons move from atom to atom, they usually jump to an atom on the opposing grid. Occasionally, a rebel hops to an atom on the same grid. Viswanath and his fellow researchers insisted that the electrons always switch grids. This choice made splitting the hexagonal grid into triangular grids cleaner mathematically. Here's Eslam Khalaf again. So these are actually two states right on top of each other. One of them lives on sublattice A and effectively feels a, a positive magnetic field, and the other lives on sublattice B and feels negative magnetic field. So you mm -hmm. can really think of this system as composed of two pieces. So the two layers of bilayer graphene brought out an otherwise obscure feature that would eventually become important. The electrons, when constrained in this way, started to move as if they were under the influence of a magnetic field. 
The theorists didn't quite recognize it, but the key to a new theory of superconductivity was staring them in the face. After using the theory to derive the magic angle of 1.1 degrees in bilayer graphene in August of 2018, Viswanath and his colleagues started to pile on more graphene layers. The theory, which had originally been designed for two layers, snapped onto the new structures far better than expected. They found that they could compute the magic angle for one graphene stack after another with simple ratios that seemed unaffected by the increasing complexities of the thicker systems. Here's Vishwanath. Especially in condensed matter physics, you think that you're doing something very close to physical or even practical reality, right? But every now and then you get this glimpse of this very ideal world that's living behind them. As the group explored further, adding more realistic details to the theory, superconductivity appeared, but in an entirely new way. Perhaps it wasn't pairs of electrons that were forming, but whirls of electrons known as skirmians. Since bilayer graphene has two layers, it has four sublattices, but the sublattices with the same magnetic charge act as one. The effective magnetic fields make electrons visiting atoms on one grid want to point up, while electrons on the other grid want to point down. This configuration can lock the electrons into place so that the system behaves as an insulator, says Haloff. These systems are insulators. So you need to add charge, and then the charge starts moving and becomes a superconductor. Basically, the charge allows the electrons on each sublattice to assume a collective vortex pattern, a skirmian. The spinning electron at the eye of the storm points up or down, and its neighbors flatten in a spiral-like pattern. Thousands of electrons can go into a graphene skirmian, but the vortex acts as if it's one particle with the charge of one electron. Holoff lays it out. To get superconductivity, we need electrons of the same charge to attract. Of course, this is usually difficult because electrons of the same charge tend to repel. You might expect the negative skirmians to repel one another, but the quantum mechanical rules governing how electrons hop between the two sublattices actually draw skirmians on the opposing grids together. In other words, they form pairs of electron-like charges. And as you know, that's the fundamental requirement for superconductivity. Here's Khalaf again. And then we realized, aha, uh -huh, it, it actually seems that 180-degree rotation symmetry is actually important. That 180-degree rotational symmetry dictates electron transfers between the triangular sublattices. A rectangle has that same symmetry. A hexagon has it too. A rectangular or hexagonal lattice has it. But stacking and twisting sheets of just about anything besides graphene breaks it. At last, Vishwanath and his colleagues were able to explain why the zoo of twisted lattices had failed to superconduct. Halaf explains. This was a moment where everything fit together. Hario Herrero had already been thinking that good things might come in threes. I remember being in a conference in 2018 and a Japanese theorist mentioned totally unrelated work, much older work. They mentioned that if you had flat bands next to coexistence with highly dispersive bands, that is a good combination to search for high temperature superconductivity. And when I heard about the trilayer graphene calculations, it reminded me of that talk by this Japanese theorist. 
Electrons in materials with flat bands move slowly enough for the particles to work together, but superconductivity might get a boost from dispersive bands where the pairs travel more easily. Twisted bilayer graphene doesn't get this boost. A single layer of graphene does. Stacking them together might be the best of both worlds. Then Vishwanath's group predicted that 1.5 degrees was the magic angle for conjuring up superconducting skirmians in three layers of graphene. With these arguments in mind, Hario Herrero's lab and the lab of Philip Kim at Harvard set to work making three-layer stacks of graphene sheets. Both labs saw everything the theorists had predicted and more. If bilayer graphene is a playground for superconductivity, Trilayer graphene appears to be the state fair. Experimentalists can fine-tune the number of electrons in the lattices. They can also shuffle electrons between the layers at will with a second electric field. With this flexibility, researchers can look for superconductive sweet spots by making the electrons feel as if they're moving through a two-layer system, a one-layer system, or any number of hybrid systems. Using this unprecedented tunability, the labs verified that, unlike other twisted materials, trilayer graphene passes every test of superconductivity. They also found several indirect hints that superconductivity occurs in an unusual way. First, the electrons cooperate extremely well. In conventional superconductors, where clusters of atoms pair free electrons, just 1 in 100,000 electrons join the superconducting superfluid. In the cuprates, about 1 in 30 free electrons participate. But in the trilayer system, researchers estimate that as many as 1 in 10 take part. The entities in the superconducting pairs, whether they're electrons or skirmians, also stay quite close together. The ends of electron duos in supercooled aluminum separate by 10,000 times the general distance between electrons. It's like a soup of long pasta strands. But in trilayer graphene, superconducting couples pack together like macaroni, with the objects sitting just as close to their partner as to their neighbors. It's hard to know what's happening inside the material at the subatomic level, so it's too early to say whether skirmians are definitely doing the superconducting in multilayer graphene. But for Holoff, the strange behaviors that Hario Herrero and Kim saw fit with the electron vortices. There is already kind of a couple of data from this new trilayer experiment that are hinting towards skirmions. Unlike standard electron pairings, skirmian couples bind tightly for highly efficient superconductivity. The composite objects are also large and crammed close together. And in standard metals, if you put the electrons into a state where they can choose from many possible activities, you usually get the strongest superconductivity. But when researchers gave electrons in the trilayer system this freedom, superconductivity died. Holoff says it might be because the increased freedom lets the skirmians fall apart. Corey Dean is a condensed matter physicist at Columbia University. I think, in fact, Pablo's paper says it's hard to understand this in the context of conventional superconductivity. 
I don't think it's definitive that it's not as a conventional semiconductor, but it's certainly a data point pointing in the other direction. If the rotational symmetry Vishwanath and his colleagues identified truly is crucial to multi-layer graphene superconductivity, it could help materials scientists. They could someday use that fact to guide them through a field of billions of possible substances toward a lattice that can keep its electrons together on a warm day. The charges in twisted graphene are spread far too thin across the giant moray cells to superconduct at high temperatures, but the bond holding them together, whether it's skirmians or something else, seems strong. Researchers hope a deeper dive into twisted graphene and the theories that explain its odd properties could shed more light on its robust superconductivity and point the way toward a lattice that can take more heat. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Charlie Wood's full article, A New Twist Reveals Superconductivity's Secrets, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Quantum Magazine is an editorially independent online publication launched by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. Music